0: Tesla, what? Tesla freaking what? On the way here, Holman, two freaking Tesla 3s decided to roll up on me. You Uh, know, like. What were you uh, driving? The TRX. Okay. And one was on the 605, and one was
1: over here on Springdale, coming off the freeway. Oh, there wasn't at the same time. There's no No. coordinated effort. No, no. There wasn't a Tesla app sharing where they said, go get this guy. No, one was black, one was white. I think
0: most of them are black and white. Sometimes you'll see- They have like five colors. Yeah, whatever. You know they're uh, charging more for white now? Yeah. They're trying to even out the colors because there were so many white ones? Yeah, well, because uh, white was their volume,
1: even though it was the cheapest. So they're like, yeah, we'll show you. (laughs) Charge more for (laughs) it. That's typical. So on the 605,
0: traffic, and this is one of the Southern California freeways, I'm cruising along. And I'm not in sport mode. I just I'm in like automatic mode, and just just doing my thing, chilling at like 1100 RPM at whatever it is, 75 miles an hour, okay. and just cruising. We slow down for some traffic. There's like a cop stopping the traffic. Then all of a sudden we go, and this Tesla next to me is like he's going to race me because now there's no one in front of us. The the highway is open, all four lanes, and he gets. And
1: you're not dumb enough to take that he, challenge,
0: right? Hell yeah, I am. <laughs> Dude, and I smashed him. No. I smashed him. If Unless he is And the, when I say smashed him, I mean kept ran up with it, him. ran into him. No, no, no. Like he expect, I can only assume, he expected, here's this dumb big black truck next to me. I'm going to dust him. I'm in this little lightweight Tesla 3 and I can scoot around on my battery and he just punches it and I hammer down. And I wasn't in sport mode and I was neck and neck and then we hit about- I, let's say we're in Mexico for a minute, because that's what you're supposed to say when you do illegal stuff. Uh, I huh? I pulled away from him at
1: about 100. Nah, he let up. There's no way. He has the aerodynamic advantage at that point, and he still has way more torque than you do at this then, point. He, then he, then he, then he pulled out. Well, well, of course they he pulled You're at 100. So, so
0: they, that's, okay, maybe you're right. Dude, because here's wait, the
1: thing about that. When, when two idiots get together and do something like that, it's not who wins the street race. It's who gives up first. I, well, I that's, that, that's how those things are wanted. So that, Who's got the balls to stay in it longer?
0: That's funny that you say that, because on Springdale right here, uh-huh. Springdale, Mexico, uh-huh. Tijuana, right? Right, yeah. Because, yeah. again, that's what you say. Right. And we leave this light while your new Mayhair, whatever it's called, your, your gas May- station. Your, May-hair. What's it called? Messer, Mayhair, your gas station. over here, The new green one yes. in Springdale. It's not new, but okay. What, what is that? I don't know. It's, it's like a Pranabee 7-Eleven. the private guy owns it. Oh, it is it? Mosher. Mosher. Yeah, okay, whatever it is. We go to the next light. He rolls up on me and he hits it and he thinks he's going to walk me. And this time I'm in sport and I'm neck and neck with him. And we did this time we got up to about 70 or so. And then he just he lets off. Uh And I'm like, dude, weak sauce, weak sauce. I don't care how fast you think you are. You have no balls, buddy in a Tesla. It was fun. I got to say I had fun on the way here.
1: Okay. And now none
0: of that happened because it's illegal. I made it all up.
1: And none of it could have happened
0: because you were <laughs> half an hour late. So exactly. Tim, one of our artists at work, so he has an older uh, S. Uh-huh. I don't know. It's let's call it five years old or something. Okay. He bought it used. And we got off the freeway. It make it better. We we got off the freeway at Irwin L.A. No, It's not a plathing. I don't know. He's mm-hmm. just a regular S. Whatever. I don't even know how many motors it has. I didn't read it. And he rolls up on me and he had probably heard that, oh Lightning's got a TRX. He thinks he's fast and he mobs it off a of, off a green light and we are neck and neck and we didn't get that fast no no we we didn't get that fast cuz there's there's cops on this particular street over by work uh-huh. but we got pretty quick and as soon as we went to the next light he rolls down the window and he goes damn that is fast i'm like i wasn't going to let up Meanwhile, he only has
1: 70% of battery capacity left. <laughs>
0: he just crushed it. I'm like, I got a full tank ready to go, buddy. I'll do it over and over a full again. full tank after that. Uh, uh, I, I mean, had a
1: TRX for yeah. a year, and it wasn't on 37. So
0: the license plate is accurate. Yes, uh, I, yummy, yummy gas. I mean, I, I told you it'd be the one to go. And I have had some compliments on it. So yeah. thank you again for that. Even Despite the fact that I didn't agree with it at first, I have grown to love it.
1: Well, I uh, managed to get uh, 33 miles to the gallon uh, coming home from SEMA in my little CRV. So, wow. well, you look like a an old man in that thing. I gotta say, uh, don't care. I don't care what anybody says or looks. Although I will say this, people do not respect you when you're in a little car. Nope. But when I'm in a little car, I don't care because there's so there's an eco button on that thing, and uh-huh. the dash turns green when you're being really good, and then and it goes it to white. It doesn't do much. It feels like a supercharger got turned on. I hate CVT transmissions, and it's got a CVT. But I gotta say, the Honda has one of the better CVTs. There's a lot of junk ones out there. You're an apologist, but now. but there's a S for sport on the uh, no, shifter. No, S is for suck. Completely <laughs> changes that thing. S is for suck, and it makes it zippy and fun. But when you're just <laughs> when you're loafing around, uh-huh. so good. So I uh, left SoCal. I drove all the way to Vegas. I drove around at Vegas, and I drove like a third of the way home before i had to fill up mm-hmm. and then i put like 14 gallons in and it. it was like this is amazing i get it that's no that's
0: neat but it's, it's yeah. whatever it's not so what it, i went through three
1: tanks to get to vegas Who it cares? rides so cushy it's got these wide flat l- leather but seats it in it it looks dumb and you look dumb I, in it don't care don't care because you know what i know it's in my garage i can look cool but if, you, if i wake up no. in the morning and i go no 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 but the, but the fact that if you if i can, wake up in the morning and i decide i want to look cool today I have that choice. No. If I wake up in the morning, I'm like, I want to be able to afford lunch. Guess what? I take the CRV. No, you don't understand that (laughs) cool can be taken away. 33 miles per gallon is pretty nice to have. And that's And that was at dude, that was at 85. Dude, there's cool tax. You're getting cool tax. That thing cruises so easy at 85. It's just like and I'm listening to my XM radio and I'm just chilling. And I've got tinted windows on it. And You're it just, so it's lame. Fun. You're such an yeah, apologist. It's all right. It's all right. You know what? And then you, when I got home, I went, I'm going to go drive my 392. And I made <laughs> noises. And I was like, yeah, I got the best of both worlds. One cool car does not equal a cool person. Uh, I, again, you are stuck on this uh, need to be cool. I am comfortable with who I am. Don't care. What I, what I care about is paying my bills. And the CRV allows me to do that. All right. All
0: right, I see it. I do like efficient vehicles. Uh-huh. I just think that the
1: CRV is not Sean Holman at all. It's totally fine. <laughs> I'm totally fine with that. Okay. I got. Listen, I go to pick up my five year old at school, uh-huh. and I am just amongst the sea of people. I know, but this that's what's uh, lame it's so great. when you roll up. It. Imagine I your have to mom push. I have to push the no. key fob to see which one is mine. <laughs> there's There's. I took a picture the other day. There were 70 white and silver cars. And the only reason I knew which one was mine it was red. Because it, it chirped. Oh, it's red. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, ah. Chirp, chirp. All, all the moms, they're like, ah, that red's nice. It's so average. Yeah. You know what's great? It's just, I, it's, I'm, it's, so I, why do you just, it's like having a barcode on your forehead. I've been commuting to LA because OVR has this massive display at the LA Auto Show. Yeah. 25,000 square feet and 30 plus vehicles on display right between Hyundai, Subaru, and Honda. So I've been doing the commute up there because I, I gotta yeah, I, I we're we're doing it, man. And I have my this is the best part. In the morning, I get up, I go to my wife's curing machine, I make myself coffee in a tumbler. Actually tea. And I'm driving, I drop the kids off at school and I'm on the four oh five. And I'm looking to my left, dude's in his car, he's got his tumbler full of coffee or tea. Look to my right, ladies in a car. Co- I'm like, just hanging with my people on the freeway. Just chilling. We just nod. You nod to people. The, like, before it was the only Jeep wave. I'm like, eh, I'm snobby. Jeep coming. Wave, wave. Now, I can nod to anyone holding up a tumbler full of Starbucks and an efficient vehicle. It's just a whole different world. It's just like being invisible. Oh, dude, being invisible is nice. You could pick your nose. No, no,
0: I'm saying- No, being, no, you no, can't. Nobody no, cares. No, no, I'm saying like it's being invisible when you don't want to be invisible. You're like, hey, hey, someone save me. No. You can't, you can't be seen. I'm just invisible. You're, I'm you're, just... you're invisible in your average CRV. Yeah, that's great. Oh, guys, I know you're with me, right? You got to be with me. I literally- You got to be just... with me on this. Holman has has drank the Kool-Aid here of, of Honda CRVism. Ah, it's, just, it's, it's just nice to be
1: invisible. You know how many people- No, it's awful being invisible. Dude, people will will, will bang down my door. And they're like, I know you. I know the adventure jeep. I know it. And sometimes lighting, you just want to be anonymous when you're cruising around the mean streets of Southern California. You just want to be a nobody. And after all of the notoriety that comes from the Truck Show podcast, I uh, <laughs> found my uh, respite in the uh, CRV. And uh, I have found peace. And uh, dare I say some zen. I got no game in my I'm so average in
0: my Riding down the street in my All right, so on this episode, if you're into fuel injection, which I know you are, and well, no, you might not be. If you're not, tuned out. But if you are, if you are, <laughs> no, into well, let's fuel not tell people
1: to tune out. If you,
0: oh my gosh, if you're worried about your CP4 grenading, you
1: definitely going to want to listen. And if you own a diesel in general and you uh, like things like injectors and fuel system performance, you uh, also want to listen. And if you don't and you want to see how the other side lives, kind of like how I am in my CRV, uh, (laughs) but this is the diesel versus gas guys. You you, want to know how the cool people live when you're in your CRV? Uh, No, I see them all the time. I'm like, that dude's cool. I'm not right now and I'm okay with it. Mm. Okay. And before we get into the
0: episode, I want to thank our presenting sponsor, Nissan. At a scant 29770 bucks, you can get yourself into a brand new 2024 Nissan Frontier with, dude, 310 horsepower. 281 pound-feet of torque, with a maximum towing capacity of 6,640 pounds. If that's not impressive, I don't know what is. NissanUSA.com is where you're going to find both the Frontier and the Titan. The Titan's got the industry's best warranty at five-year, 100,000 miles. Hit up NissanUSA.com or just roll into your local Nissan
1: dealer to check out yours. And we got to thank our friends over at bankspower.com. If you are looking for the world's smartest, best gauges, you want to check out the Banks iDash available in either the Super Gauge or the Data Logging Data Monster. The Banks iDash offers up to eight parameters on five customizable screens. That's 40 parameters at the touch of a button. You can't say it without me hitting that button. I know, I know. (laughs) You can get smart with the iDash, there's info at a glance. It's all the stuff the factory doesn't want you to see. You can even control your Banks tuner, your speed brake, or your pedal monster directly from the iDash, and it's compatible with any 52-millimeter hole or pod, and Banks just released a whole line of stealth pods, which will fit a bunch of different vehicles with more applications coming by the day. Again, head to bankspower.com, put in your year, make, and model, and find out if the Banks iDash is right for you.
2: Show, the truck show, oh, oh. It's the truck show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman.
0: All right, dude, let's talk fuel injection. Uh, our buddy Andrew Stoffer from SNS Diesel Motorsport is standing by for a call. He wants to come back on the show.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess he was. Well, we'll talk to him about that. You know what it reminds me of is like uh, when you have your first kid. And your wife says, I'm never going to go through childbirth ever again. And then about year two-ish, they're kind of like, hey, let's have another kid. Because they've forgotten all the bad stuff that came along with it. I think this is that equivalent for men. They come on the show and they go, I'm (laughs) never going to do that again. And about three years later, they're like, well, maybe. Maybe I'll do it again.
0: The Truck Show podcast is as painful as childbirth? I think it can be. Have you heard of this show? Yes, I I actually tried to stomach an, uh, an episode the other day. Yeah. Andrew's got some new wares that our audience needs to know about, one of which is for Ford 67s. And it's a we, let's get to it. Well, we have to call him first. No, it's just you and I can just chat for a while. <laughs> just talk about him <laughs> without him being here. It's 10 o'clock in the East Coast. He's been staying up all night for
1: us. You I'm, know, we're rusty here. We, we've, been, we've been out in the world for the past several weeks. Mm-hmm. And, and it's time for us to get back on our game, Lightning. And what we need to do is we need to call Andrew Freaking Stouffer at S Diesel. So that we can have a guest and people don't have to just listen to us, okay? I mean, I don't know how long we're going to go on like this without a guest.
0: Di- go ahead Doc. Di- I'm good. Okay, good, Trying to save you. <laughs> hey, what's going on? Yo, Andrew, Lightning at Home and Holman, Truck Show Podcast. How you doing?
2: Pretty good, pretty good. How you doing? Good. We were well, just well, looking yeah, we're ta- back. We were
1: talking about you and we were saying, you know, it's been about three years since he's been on the show. And it's probably because his first experience was so bad it took him that long to get that taste out of his mouth. (laughs)
2: Has it been that many years? Twenty twenty. Yeah.
0: According to your website, you have our audio on the SNS Diesel Diesel Motorsport website, and uh, it's it's like check out one of our founders on the Truck Show podcast in twenty twenty. I was like, oh my god, has it been that
2: long? <laughs> <laughs> That's a long time ago. Yeah, you know, for I me, mean, sure. it wasn't
1: that bad of a thing. So you can have me on more often if you like. Uh, we, we'd love to. <laughs> except uh, you know, I'm like, hey, Lightning, can you think of anyone we should have on the show? And he's like, hmm. So we'll add you to the list of. Oh crap! We don't have a guest. Let's call Mr. Well, <laughs> so The yeah. funny thing is, Andrew. <laughs> and we'll
0: get into this in a second. But how many times, Holman, in the last, let's say, three four months, have we talked about CP4 death? All of them. I mean, all of them. Every single show comes up, and and uh, <laughs> it was like two episodes ago. I go, I wonder if we should just call Andrew Stopher you No, know, it's funny, and, and we're like, oh, oh crap, yeah, we know him. Yeah. We should call. Him. <laughs>
1: you know what's funny is I <laughs> had somebody was was bitching and moaning about the cp4 exploding on on their jeep right and they're like oh this is a piece of crap well this particular person also has uh i won't name it another manufacturer full-size truck with the same cp4 pump and it went out on that one too different different manufacturer and i'm like yeah "Yeah, remember that thing where i'm like it's not a jeep thing it's a bosch thing he's like
2: shut Shut up yeah
0: Yeah. all right well we got a quick intro before we can officially get to the uh the start of the interview hold on a sec
2: the inside job baby yes it is it's the inside job yeah. uh-huh, uh-huh. it's the inside job baby it's time for you to share what you
0: do uh-huh, uh-huh. That's the inside job so andrew i think we should rewind the clock a little bit and explain the basics about fuel injection take it through the injectors which you specialize in and then move it to mm-hmm. the high-pressure fuel pumps. So you guys w- have been known for and the And then last... move into carnage. Sweet, and e- sweet carnage. Sweet carnage. <laughs> yeah, and, and what causes it and why we know about it, why it's in the headlines, et cetera. But I wanted to just run people through the basics. I think a lot of times we just expect that our audience understands how this stuff works. And th- sometimes they just—they don't, and they don't want to admit it, or we don't, and we don't want to admit it. So take us through the what a fuel injector actually does as opposed to what we think
2: it does. Well, um, I guess on the, the raw purpose of it is to spray fuel into the piston bowl area at the best possible location, to basically to get good combustion. And for that, that det- depends on your, how many holes you have in the nozzle, what your spray angle is, just from the nozzle standpoint. And then functionally above that, a uh, common rail injector is just a pressure balance system. So when it is closed, it has more pressure pushing down on the needle. When you want to open it, you vent the pressure on top of the needle effectively, allows the needle to open and it starts spraying pressure or fuel. in. that'd be the as simple of a way as I know to explain how a common rail injector would work.
0: What is the standard pressure or a a roundabout pressure that most of these modern diesels are under? 30,000 PSI?
2: Yeah, that'd be it'd be a rough uh, rough number. So idle you're about 4500 psi normally, and then at full load you're between the older common rail systems are going to be about 26,000 psi, the newer ones are up to about 30 35 36,000 on the newer systems. So
1: and then walk us through a solenoid style injector versus a
2: piezo style okay solenoid style you're using a coil basically a magnet to lift up on a, uh, a steel plate kind of like the old school starter solenoids um, so it lifts up on that plate that's actually holding a ball in a in a valve and when it lifts that plate up that lifts allows the ball to lift off then you're venting pressure uh, below there to allow the uh control or the uh, yeah control rod to move up to let the needle move up on the Piezo style injectors, you have a crystal that expands when you energize it. It's pushing into a, a hydraulic amplifier to increase travel because the crystals don't move very much. And then uh, so it increases the travel through the hydraulic amplifier and it pushes pushes down on a little valve that opens up to vent pressure. Um, that valve looks like a, an intake valve in an engine effectively. It's just a little, uh, yeah, just a little valve like an intake or exhaust valve on a cylinder head.
0: And, and Andrew, at what speed are these pulsing?
2: Uh, fast.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> well,
1: you can have you, what they, you You're... know, what they have is is uh, what they call like an injection event. So you can have upwards yeah. of seven injector events within one combustion, combustion event. Event, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the on a piezo injector, the smallest amount of time you can energize them is hundred microseconds. That's not necessarily what your injection event time is going to be, but uh, it'd be it'd be about the same at the at your minimum energizing times. Like so that. wait a minute. Uh, Andrew, a hundred microseconds is that's
0: is that a thousandth of a
2: second? Well no. No, it's a ten thousandth of a second, I believe. Because one millisecond would be That's a thousand. Yeah, a, uh, a thousand And we are a tenth of that. So, I feel like lightning is familiar
1: with ten uh, thousandth of, a, ten second. Thousandth
0: of yeah. a second. How dare you? My it's wife is more familiar off. with that. Than I, I am. didn't go there. I wasn't even talking about that. <laughs> by the way, I have an injector bolted to me full time. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying? Um, and it's piezo. I'm,
2: I'm not even going there. And, and it can react in one thousandth ten of a second. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> it's quite
1: convenient. You don't even know he's there. No, um, but it is <laughs> under high pressure. It'll cut you and have like a water jet. Now, <laughs> wait, 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 wait real quick. Before we go off this topic while we're kind of defining the playground that we're talking about, uh, maybe real quick, what was the difference between the old way that um, fuel injection worked and then obviously the move to common rail, which is pretty much standard across the industry now?
2: So the old way was, I guess the most common way is going to be your pump that hooks up to however many lines your engine has for cylinders. And then like the inline pump would be, it has a, you know, say say for a Cummins, for example, you have six cam lobes in your pump and you have six plungers in your pump and they hook up to the six lines that go to your six mechanical injectors that open when the pressure comes you know comes up. You're basically adjusting how long you are pumping for with your plunger to mechanically inject, and that's what changes your quantity. Wow, so. that is
1: that right there is a uh, a sound clip we should cut right out of the show and <laughs> use it down the
2: line. <laughs> it describes so many things, Honestly, so many things. The, the, the mechanical systems are so much more complicated than common rail. Common rail is so easy. Mechanical systems are way, way more complicated. Why does does
0: everyone, like old-school diesel heads, wax poetically, about the old P pump, you know, on the on the uh, the Rams, right? Like they just, yeah. oh, you just crank up the P pump and they'd blow some smoke, but you could make good power. Turn the screw, turn the
2: screw. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. EGTs be damned. Are, <laughs> yeah, they're 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 amazing if you want to have like 300 horsepower that's treatable, but but if you want to have big power that drives good, you're not going to get it with a P pump. So unfortunately. I mean, I guess if you had the old-school P-Pump guys that you know worked on them back in the 90s, you could probably get a high-powered P-Pump that drove nice, but they're, uh, those people are pretty much all retired, I'd say.
1: Did you hear that, Lightning? All the gasps from our audience. What? What? <laughs> how, how dare? The Blasphemer! A diesel Blasphemer! <laughs> <laughs> he's the authority I he know he do? is no I'm not what, saying he's wrong I'm doing? just saying there's a horde no, no, no. of listeners that just their jaws
0: dropped so uh, Andrew when you're mm-hmm. talking about s versus some of your competitors and there's some good players mm-hmm. out there right some some really knowledgeable oh, yeah, folks right sure. you've got some great competition there's some crappy competition too oh there's a lot of those uh, what makes a good injector from a poor injector uh, one
1: says SNS on it mm-hmm. I think is and the other doesn't the other doesn't yeah okay. <laughs> really right. simple, uh, okay really simple lightning okay really
2: simple alright yeah so um, looking at our testing capabilities and what we would look at would set us apart. So you can, you can have your standard four test points and you can get your quantity to match across your set of injectors and they can be so screwed up uh, that you wouldn't believe it. So instead of just looking at your quantity at your different points, you're so we've seen a lot. We don't see it as much. Now people are getting a little bit better. But you would see nozzle flow all over the place. And they just adjust the shims and the injector to make the quantity match.
1: So is it kind of like the shower head in my my shower that has all the little tiny little holes in it with the little rubber things?
2: Yes. And
1: like one shooting off to the left, one shooting off to the right, and half of it's – all right. Because
2: I imagine – It would be similar to that. Yeah. And they they just – what they do is they – you would adjust the injector so that your one that doesn't flow as much, you just hold it open longer so you get the same quantity in but uh, if you actually look at the rate shape of the injector, like how it opens, how much it flows, and when it closes, you'll see that it has less peak flow rate when it's fully open, but they just hang it open longer to get the quantity. You can, you can hide a lot of things with shimming, but uh, if you have the right measurement equipment, you'll, uh, you can see right through it, so...
0: So that's one of the ways that SNS is set apart from the competition. You've got a better mm-hmm. test bench and better, uh, better evaluation equipment. Um, yeah. Yep. So you, you know, my my day job is at Banks, and we have uh, the iDash Data Monster, which is a compact 30, uh, 52 millimeter gauge that does a lot, especially with diesels. And one of the parameters mm-hmm. that you can pull up on a on a, on a Cummins or a Duramax, even a Ford. Is injector balance rates. So in the mm-hmm. case of a, a Duramax, guys love mm-hmm. looking at injector balance rates. But what they do every <laughs> single time is go, what does this mean? It's one says five yeah. percent, one says four percent. Is this okay? No one ever knows. Uh, what are injector you balance
2: you rates? Oh man, injector balance rates are one of the banes of my existence. <laughs> because most people most people think they know what it means. They think it means that their injectors are bad but they fail to look at anything else in the engine that could be contributing to that. Um, Like say, uh, what's your uh, compression? You you have a weak hole. Do you have a short connecting rod because you have stock rods and 800 horsepower, but effectively what, what the balance rates are, the ECU is looking at the crankshaft speed at every combustion event And if it sees that one combustion event is not applying as much force to the crank, the acceleration rate is lower, it will increase the fuel quantity on that particular combustion event or that cylinder at the next revolution until it's getting the same um, acceleration rate on all six or eight cylinders. So it's basically just looking at how the combustion is in in each hole and how they compare to each other.
0: That's amazing that it knows the, the speed or the acceleration rate of
1: every cylinder. You know what I took away from that? What's that? Stop giving people that information on their iDash because <laughs> know it's causing Andrew a whole lot of headaches. <laughs> the problem is, is that Gail wants to <laughs> know. A, so he assumes that only, everybody else only, wants to it's know. It's only
2: the Duramax guys that do that. It's only the Duramax guys. <laughs> that oh, is that guy. true? Oh, really? So it was yeah. us? Are we exacerbating the issue? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, that's what I drive, but I don't watch my balance
0: rates. So. <laughs> and you can only see it at idle, right? You can't see the balance rates. At least it's not broadcast by the ECM. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: Well, they, they, the newer, the newer. The vehicles get the more often they're adjusting that. So, and or the yeah, the higher RPMs and higher loads, they're actually looking at that.
0: Okay, okay. So, since we're still talking about injectors and we're going to get to to the high pressure fuel pump shortly, mm -hmm. speaking of injectors, you are Mm -hmm. one of the authorities in this area. So, why not ask you, do cleaners additives actually improve? Injectors can can they do they actually work whoa, whoa, the whoa.
1: detergents not even just the detergents but also the additives for anti-stiction and things like that because there's two things there's one that cleans it and there's one that adds lubricity right I mean there's a couple different ways you can go there
2: yeah so because of my background being at Bosch it was beat into my head that that stuff is snake oil and we recommend not using any of that. But at the same time, <clears throat> while I was at Bosch, we had a uh, corrosion problem on a one particular platform. And the solution was to run an additive. And they rebranded the standardine additive as their own, this particular OE, and sold it for anybody with, with that uh, injector that was having issues. And it didn't fix the problem, but it certainly band-aided it for... You know, whether it was 5,000 miles or 50,000 miles, who knows? So my recommendation is run good fuel and you don't need additives.
1: Okay. Now, with that being said, is the one caveat are low sulfur crappy-ass fuel here in the United States versus the higher sulfur, more lubricity having, if that's a correct phrase, in Europe. Mm-hmm. Is that contributing to some of the failures of the pumps and things? And if that is the case, do some of the additives on the market, in your opinion, help by adding lubricity back to the fuel?
2: Oh, boy, there are so many theories on specifically why CP4s have issues, lubricity being one of them. But I don't see a lot of evidence of that being a primary failure point. Interesting. Okay, It could be. But so on on the, the LMLs, my particular theory on why most of those fail, I have two theories, inlet restriction being the number one, because we did a lot of CP3 conversions on trucks I know had inlet restriction problems and were failing pumps and also, um, debris from, you know, outside sources, even from the fuel filters, non, uh, non GM fuel filters getting into the pump. And then it gets the filter media was getting between the roller and the shoe and stopping the roller from rolling. Oh, so oh, just the, the actual, Filter media from non-GM you know, non filters are okay. causing
1: problems. So, so let's pause that thought for a <laughs> second because now my next question is going to be everybody and their mom who is a fuel diesel fuel system expert because of the inter- mm-hmm. their internet, their experience, or what Joe down the road told them, uh, will mm-hmm. tell you that the OE filter is a cost-cutting filter and you can do better in the aftermarket. My point, that is no... Usually the OE filters are really good because they're protecting warranties and investments and things like that. Yes, And a lot of people think, oh, if it's aftermarket, it's automatically better. And I don't subscribe to that Mm -hmm. at all.
2: I believe we have a video, I don't know if it's on our YouTube or Facebook or something, of an aftermarket filter system that was on a Ford. And uh, it was generating, there was water in the fuel, which is a problem. And then the filters were actually rusting, sending rust through the system. And because it's an aftermarket setup and the factory filter was deleted, they had no water and fuel sensor anymore. So they had no idea they even had water in the fuel. So um, if you want to add filters, I'd keep the stock ones in there too. Extra filters aren't going to hurt you any, but don't get rid of the factory stuff. From my experience, factory filtration is very, very good.
1: Okay, I think that's that's a great point to uh, to put out in the world, because I think there's people who are on the fence, and they're, they just bought a truck, or maybe they're a year or right. two into it. They still are under warranty, and they're fighting all of the different opinions out there, and they're going, man, I want to keep this truck forever. Well, I've been sticking with the OE filters, or I've been sticking with this thing, but I really have this want or desire to have something, quote-unquote, better. And I'm not saying that all aftermarket are bad, but... There are definitely a, a wide variation in what the oh, actual yeah. product is. So a, as an example, um,
0: I do know that we did some extensive testing at Banks when we we offer an oil cooler kit. We basically retrofit a 2020 to 2023 Duramax oil cooler, and you can put it on your 01 to 19. So okay. there, there are more copper plates inside. It's far better cooling, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So we built, you get the whole thing as a kit. Anyway- we wanted to offer a filter. We were going to offer a, a AC Delco filter, and then we said, "Hey, mm-hmm. we should test these. Why don't we Why don't we test these yeah. and see if there's something better?" <laughs> we found out. So we we I, I can't tell you the research that we did, but I will tell you that I have reams and reams of data on this. The best filter for that application is not the AC Delco. It's a Baldwin, according really? to, according to our research. Baldwin
2: now, makes very good filters.
0: And you know what was one of the worst. The AC Delco? Nope. The, the guy's <laughs> nope. running a cat conversion. Cat.
2: No way. Uh, yes. Yeah. The so, one that, that so many people swear by. Yeah.
0: Yes. So there's a couple of issues, and I don't
2: want to.
0: I, I don't want. I got to be careful yeah. about what I say here yep. because there's some things that are in the works, but I will say that not only is the cat not the best in many cases at least the ones that we tried i can't see for all applications yeah. so obviously that would be stupid mm-hmm. but i would say that in some of the ones that we tested it's surprisingly not as good as the factory filter it does yeah. have more um it has more capacity but you lose you lose pressure which is not a good thing and we also um discovered that some of them are not made to be placed at angles then oh. they, where you, the how they're, so it's supposed to be, yes, one is hung vertical, vertical, or vertical, sideways, not. A, bingo. Yeah. So what's happening is you're, you're collecting the dirt and the debris <clears throat> and it goes right back into the engine because it's not settling like it's supposed to. So there's, yep. you, you might uh. be exacerbating the issue. So uh, there's yeah. about to be a campaign, which you'll see from us at some point, uh that's explaining mm-hmm. some of this stuff. I think it's going to be an eye opener, but I, I want to go oh, back yeah. for a second. And so we don't get off track here. Let's stay kind of linear we take you through the injectors the high pressure fuel pump i have mm-hmm. a, i didn't know what a cp3 versus a cp4 meant i until someone actually opened it and i saw the lobes and how it worked it was just it was mm-hmm. not intuitive can you explain to the audience what it actually means what is cp3 versus cp4 and why one is self destructo
2: okay so uh, the cp3 it's hard to explain a whiteboard whiteboard and a, and a couple of markers, but we'll try. The CP3 is a eccentric lobe in a cam with a, they call it a polygon, but it's basically a triangle that's on the cam. And then you have what look like buckets that ride on the flats on that triangle. <clears throat> and then your plunger is on top of that. It's very, and there's three of them. So, well, obviously the triangle, but it's, uh, you get very smooth, fluid motion. It's just a very... You don't get high plunger speed, so you get more leakage. But it's been a very proven pump, as far as that's how the bottom end would work. So if you were, um, so Andrew, wise, if,
0: so if we had a whiteboard yeah. and you drew a mm-hmm. triangle in the middle of that triangle, there's a hole cut out of it, and that's where the yep. cam goes. But the cam is off center, so the cam right. makes this triangle move around in a in a in a wobble.
1: Think okay. of a, yeah. a suspension eccentric.
2: Yeah, your flats stay pointing the same direction that they are always, and your plungers would be effectively riding on those. And then as your cam spins around, the triangle is pushing each plunger plunger individually one at a time, you know, moving them up and down and around, so you get a very smooth pumping motion from the pump. Yeah, low drive torque fluctuations. Just a a really good design. And then the CP4 then? CP4 is a dual-lobe cam. And then on the cam, you have small rollers. They're roughly uh, 10 millimeters in diameter inside of a, uh, they call it a shoe. So instead of like a a needle bearing with a roller, like the old P-pumps would be, that is a pretty reliable setup. It's this little roller that's in a encapsulated in what they call a shoe, but it'd be like two thirds of the way around the roller is encapsulated. It's all fuel lubricated. So you get uh, really high plunger speeds because you're getting two pumping pulses per revolution out of it. So your plunger has to move twice as fast as it would in the CP3. You get a more efficient pump that way because you have higher plunger speeds. So there's less time for leakage. But um, the bottom end is just it's uh, very sensitive to debris. Um, it tends to have issues with a lot of high RPM use. There's um suspicions of problems with low rpm and like startup problems you know causing the the shoe to rotate sideways and then wear the the roller out that kind of thing so it's just uh, in a laboratory setup in a perfect environment they're great but in the real world they uh they just don't do so hot
0: so then the failures that we're hearing about i think the the jeep the ecodiesel jeep community about a month ago had a uh, like you could hear them if you listen carefully. All thirty thousand of them went yeah, like they they all freaked because yeah. Stellantis finally declared a um, uh, a recall. Basically, they said we'll yeah. we'll swap out your CP four pump, and I think they were oh, swapping yeah. it for C- CP three. And collectively, there was a sigh of relief among Jeep owners yes, with the
2: But they're not; they're Ooh. swapping it with another CP four. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, one of my employees actually has one, and uh, we were, we've were we been waiting because we were working on our, on our bypass kit for that, and then we heard they recalled them. They're like, well, there's no sense in making a bypass kit if they're going to put a CP3 on, but it looks like it's going to be a CP4 from everything we've seen. So the bypass kit is uh, back on the table for getting made.
1: So what is different? Is it materials? Is it... Uh bearings is it uh there's got to be something that's different they're not going to put the same you know pump out I, uh, or, or would they i
2: haven't <laughs> well, i haven't seen i haven't seen the new pump yet but my guess is it has the uh pinned pin buckets so the buckets can't rotate which in theory should be better but um you know it hasn't necessarily proven to be better uh in the ram situation because with the RAMs, they had non-pinned, went to pinned, and they still recalled them all and put CP threes on.
0: And that was in the HDs, right? That first happened yep. in the okay. yeah, yeah,
2: that was in the six, seven, 2019s.
0: And now when you buy a brand new twenty three, twenty-four HD with a the Cummins
2: <laughs> it comes with a CP right? three, correct? Yeah. Yep. Back Interesting. C P three. Yeah, I couldn't believe they changed so fast. They uh they wasted no time in getting uh the that engine put back to a CP three
0: it sounds to me like you're describing a situation where it's just so susceptible to debris that you said, like it's why would they, why would they continue with it where it's dependent on the, the fuel, right? If there's any fuel issue, any debris in the fuel tank, Mm -hmm. any water, any, any,
2: anything it's going to, it's going to cause an issue with that. I mean, cost is why they went to it because the CP3, if you've ever looked at those, they are a a machining uh, masterpiece. They have drills and bores, and it's just—it's crazy the manufacturing in those. And a CP4, when like you look at that for manufacturing, it's a piece of cake. You know, cheap aluminum cast housing, pop a couple of holes in it, and away you go. Uh,
1: so um, when we when we're talking about CP4 and the failure, what is the actual? failure that's happening like what what is the piece or let's say you're a happy cp4 you're doing your Mm -hmm. two pulses and you're just right and all of a sudden here comes some angry debris in the fuel stream what is the sequence of events that uh, takes that sucker out and then what happens downstream once it goes
2: it's hard to know exactly what takes out every time there are a few theories One would be the debris stops the roller from turning, and then it starts sliding in the cam, which starts making lots of metal shavings for you. Another failure mode is a piece of something on the cam. When you go to start the engine, it'll basically hit that, and it twists the roller, and it'll pop the roller sideways, or the shoe, the whole, uh, tap it sideways. And then it starts wearing the cam, the roller in the middle, and we've seen failures of those. You you get those back in the cam as a big old V cut in the middle of it where the the roller's been sitting sideways. But those would be the two, I would say, the two most likely causes of failure. What happens when it fails, because of the internal plumbing in the CP4, every bit of metal that is made in that cam box, um, it's flowing either, it tries to flow out the return back to tank. A lot of it makes it. But it also that, that's where it feeds the metering unit or the IMV. There's a million different names for that guy on, on top of the pump that goes to your plungers. It goes to the rails. So all that debris is heading right up to your rails, which goes through your injectors, takes out your injectors, and so it's complete fuel system when uh, when the pump dies.
0: And again, those holes on the injector that a, a piece of metal that. You might not even be able to detect it on your fingertip. That's how small they are. That can clog the ports on the fuel injector. The, the,
2: the bigger issue that we see actually isn't plugging up of the Piezo injectors on, uh, with those applications. It's eroding out the valve seed. Oh. So your return flow goes high. The, the Piezo injector that comes in the, the LML Duramax, which had the CP4, the Ford Scorpion or 6.7 liter, even the no, the Eco Diesel's not. Eco diesel has solenoid injectors. That injector is an amazing injector, but pump debris will absolutely ruin them. Okay. Well, let's get
0: on to the solution then. You have launched a couple disaster prevention solutions. And let's mm-hmm. let's go through a couple. I think the, the most recent is the Ford for the Ford six seven,
1: the Scorpion. And yeah. that is uh, buying yeah, a different the- truck, right?
2: <laughs> nope. No no okay. no, no, no he, he can That's save one answer. <laughs> the the problem is there are uh if you look at the the uh, vehicle sold Ford has the most diesels out there these days so uh they're not losing sales based on the CP4 issues originally our solution for that because we couldn't find a pump that would fit in the valley the CP3 didn't fit in that engine was to do a bypass kit to change the, the plumbing. That way when the, the pump did fail, it wouldn't take out your fuel system. It was an easy containment process.
0: But um what wait, would wait, that have well, been? Well hold on, hold on hold on a second. I don't understand yeah. how you're bypassing because you just talked about that because of the the the, mm. the ports in the C P four, they would send yeah. this they would send the shrapnel in both directions. Well how how mm-hmm. do you how do you you're not putting like a diverter valves or something in there, are you? S-
2: so what we did for for the bypass kit is we uh, come out of uh, the filter head that's up on the you know driver's side of the engine, and we split the fuel there. So we have the normal path goes right to the, the cam box, feeds into there, but we have a T, <clears throat> I don't know, six inches off of, probably four inches off of that filter head, and the other hose goes to a, a block that mounts where your metering unit goes. And the metering unit it kind of goes between the pump and the metering unit. So you block off the factory flow from the cam box up to the metering unit, and we're feeding it with fresh fuel straight from the filter. Oh, so, brilliant. And then, and then we also add a return filter. So at the return from the low-pressure line, you know, the return line on the engine, we go through a Donaldson uh, filter there. It collects all the debris that gets out of the pump. With that kit on there, we've actually tested it on two of our in-house Fords, and uh, ran them till till they wouldn't run. You know, fuel system's fine, injectors fine, everything. We just clean out the return lines, uh, put a new new pump in, and away you go. Saves the truck, saves the injectors. Yeah, it takes it from a you know ten to fifteen thousand dollar repair down to putting a pump in. Pretty pretty cheap at that point in time.
0: This is now. What solution do you have for the six so, seven?
2: We we wanted to do a different pump for a long time, but nothing that was on the market would fit. Um, but the Stanodyne DCR is a it's a horizontally opposed two cylinder pump. It's a very ingenious bottom end. It actually fits in the valley of the six seven. So we, we teamed up with Pure Power, which is part of Stanodyne, to get that pump into the 674 get a whole kit together no tuning required carb compliant the whole nine yards we have it currently released up through 2019 i believe um the last year for 2000 for the 2000 bar system it will be released for up through current production as soon as we get our new high pressure lines in now uh, we had a little a little uh, clearance issue on those on the original release but as soon as we get the new lines in it'll be good through current production so, but that pump is, uh, yeah, it's it's proven to be a very good pump.
0: Yeah, and and Stanadyne, for those who don't know, have have been around for they're really an OE sub- They're a, uh, an OE supplier, yeah. so it's not like some yep. Chinese company that's making something that just looks uh, out, of <laughs> out of Chineseium. Out of Chineseium? No, no, it's it's mm-hmm. the it's a real deal.
2: They're known for making mechanical pumps that will eat just garbage fuel and keep on going. So. And from that reputation, they built their common rail pump. And uh, we've actually, we had uh, one of our pilot uh, vehicles. Uh, <laughs> that's the guy that had the aftermarket filtration system with the corrosion, little water and fuel. His truck started running funny. And uh, what did it do? It said a low pressure rail or a low pressure supply code, something like that. But we got in to look at it. It was just full of water. Oh, so my God. We, <laughs> we, we, we did not replace anything in the system. We put the pump back in that ran on water. It has all the injectors that ran on water. We had to take the screen off of the DRV and the rail because it was all plugged up and rusted. So, but put the whole thing back together, and he's still going. So, wow. that pump is—it's uh, proven to be able to eat water quite well. Now, I wouldn't recommend it. I'm not going to warranty something on water, but <laughs> <laughs> it, it can certainly do it.
1: Is that a, so. uh, a close-related cousin to the fish carburetor?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um so for less than two grand
0: you can convert your potential grenade to mm-hmm. a, a, C, a, a dcr pump yep. that is going to prevent your truck from uh from dying on you it's that's the, about the best insurance you're going to get
2: oh yeah and from from what, everything i've seen on the fords that's the only thing you need to do on those to make them extremely reliable on any any of the newer ones anyway the first couple of years they had some uh you know valve seat issues and that's and turbo issues. But since then, that engine has been just a really solid package. So now, get, now, rid the, get rid of the factory pump and you're good to go.
1: I'm going to assume that because you have a company that supports all of the uh, the truck manufacturers, that you mm-hmm. have no biases whatsoever in your uh, in your truck diesel loving life. Uh, and oh man! <laughs> here it comes. It, if you had to recommend somebody, what is the most reliable out of the box out of the uh, big three today? Oh! Now you're talking
0: Holman. You, you're talking about if someone won the lottery and they're going to buy a 23 or 24. They're going
2: to buy a brand. New they're buying truck. a brand new truck. Okay. And
1: everybody, because we have plenty of listeners, who go listen. I'm not brand loyal. I like mm-hmm. them all. They're all great trucks. Which one should I get? I I'm not gonna tow at ten tenths. I'm probably gonna tow at six tenths. So they all meet my towing requirement. They all meet uh-huh. my power requirement. They all meet everything mm-hmm. I need. I, I'm I'm the average everyday customer that's not gonna use it to the extreme. I just want a a good truck that's gonna last me ten or fifteen
2: years. Yeah. So I uh, I'll I'll admit my bias to start with. <laughs> I, I'm I'm am I'm a Duramax guy. I love I love my Duramax. But um, if I was going to recommend a truck, oh, oh man, I know it's hard. hard. I know. I, I wait a minute,
0: hold on a second. Why I'm, are you? So he says I'm a Duramax guy, but he's leaning toward There's no way he's going to choose a Ram. There's. I mean, there's no way. He's he's leaning towards a Ford. It's got to be. And it's going to hurt and, but, his soul. And by the way, they're both V8s. So I wonder why one V8 so versus the other. And unless I'm totally wrong, and he chooses <laughs> the Cummins. There's no way he's choosing the hold Cummins. Up. Let's see. That's just no well. Hold way. on. Hold on.
1: I did. I did put the caveat on there. All the trucks meet his requirements, so you're not towing at ten tenths up a grade. All you're the you're the average, fat mm-hmm. middle of the customer. But he's a performance guy. I, and, I get it. And, and, and Let's Cummins, let
0: him answer. Cummins is so freaking slow out of the hole. You Let's know let I mean? him answer. Growing a beard faster, than you get to sixty. Let's let him answer. <laughs> all right, hold on a second. I, wait, 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 wait. Don't don't answer yet. Hold on a second. I get it. All right. All right. So Andrew, if you had to choose one of the big three.
2: What will it be? I'd go for the Ford high output. I uh, the, the the Rams, I don't know that I trust the hydraulic lifters in that engine yet. They've had enough issues with that.
0: And there's no problems yeah, with that. There's there's no issues with the grid heaters in those either.
1: Ouch.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Ouch.
1: There's a bunch of uh, Cummins Yop. guys that are uh-huh. cringing right now. Mm-hmm. Send the mm-hmm. hate mail to lightning at truck show podcast. I love the truck. I just don't love the issues. Yeah. So
0: nope. uh, the, the the high output with twelve hundred pound feet of torque as you drive off yeah. the dealer
1: lot is that yeah. is that amazing to you guys though that in the span of ten years uh, Cummins went from being the end all be all most reliable wouldn't choose anything else and Ford and GM have upped the uh, the reputation so much that it's actually a difficult choice as to which power plant is best.
2: Yeah. It was pretty um, pretty amazing. The that, the, tran- the transmission thing yeah. really gave team an advantage with the uh, with the
1: Duramax. 100%. I I think that if they would have put that 8-speed ZF in the behind the the uh, instead of so the 6-speed Eisen, which there was mm-hmm. a truck a prototype or a few that existed. That completely changes the Cummins in being able to grab those extra gears and not, you know, not be able, not have to, you know, run out of not, RPM climbing grades and yeah. those things,
2: and not drive like a semi truck, but actually drive like just a little bit sportier, I guess. Sure, you know that's the thing with the 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 GMs and the Fords now is they actually shift quick, but the the rams aren't uh aren't quite as speedy
1: i mean there was a time but they kind of have fallen behind like i love the rams so much good stuff interior the tech uh the ride on a mm-hmm. lot of them on a lot of them all of that stuff uh but yeah. yeah the powertrain isn't the the best out there anymore it's damn good and yep. for most people yep. they're going to love that truck and i still love that truck Um, but Mm -hmm. there are, you know, depending on your use case, better choices out there. I have towed with all three with the 2020
0: Ram. We have an HO I've towed. Mm -hmm. I haven't towed with the HO Ford yet, but I've towed with our 2022 cross country pulling Mm -hmm. a trailer and I've towed with our 2020 Denali, our, our GMC with a, with a Duramax. Mm -hmm. And the best one that towed was the Ford. The one that acted the strangest at altitude was the Ram constantly hunting for gears was the Hmm. oddest thing. We put 37s on it. I'm sure that messed with it a little bit. Uh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it did, but it just it was annoying. It P- people just was hunting yeah. for gears People non-stop. who think you
1: don't need a re-gear when you go 37s or bigger. Oh, I've been driving that. I don't yeah. need re-gear. No, no, you need a re-gear. <laughs> Again, you I'm not, re-gear. not saying that we yeah. shouldn't have, but
0: boy, and, and it wasn't great beforehand. But that's fair. I mean, it got it's, worse. It's
1: not apples to apples. They were
0: not Correct.
2: stock trucks, so Correct. that's
1: good to put that out
2: there. Yeah. The one thing I don't like on the Fords is you about have to put airbags on them to pull a trailer from the factory because they squat so bad, at least the ones we have. I don't know if somebody took leaves out of ours before we bought them or something, but my my uh, 15 Duramax versus our two Fords, uh, you put the same trailer on them and – uh, the, the Fords just squat way worse.
1: Well, and I would say the Fords ride a little bit better, whereas the GMs ride like pretty much ass when they're unloaded. And the GMs mm-hmm. tend to ride pretty nice with a load on them. And I used to joke yeah, that the... Yeah, uh, might be
0: part
1: of it. Yeah, and I used to joke that it was all the dry ba- uh, drawbacks of IFS and none of the uh, benefits because they, they were so... <laughs> uh, at least the ones, the current generation, and we'll, we're going to get into this because I just drove the 24s, but uh, prior to that, they were not... You know for IFS, they didn't ride very well but with the trailer on it they're they're pretty damn nice. But one of the things I've always liked about Duramax and I don't know if Ford does this yet uh, because I, I honestly I haven't driven one uh, of the new ones in in mm-hmm. a while. but Duramax has always allowed you um, the overrev feature for grabbing a gear. So if you're high in your RPM range coming down a hill, you don't have to stab mm-hmm. your service brakes. You can grab the next lower gear, and the Duramax yeah. will allow you a short window of over rev so that you can get into mm-hmm. that lower gear. And that was something that towing is really nice to have because you're not on your service brakes, uh, and oh, you're yeah. saving that you know, overhead of, of heating and per- thermal performance for when you need it. I though I, mm-hmm. I the Duramax has the worst of the exhaust
0: brakes by far. The yeah. Cummins has the best. The best, second, yeah. the Duramax yeah. is like it's not even there. It, it doesn't. You can't feel it. You can't hear it. It's almost like you're. You're hitting. I literally in in three different trucks. I was pushing the bug, going, is anything happening? And uh, <laughs> I was relying on the brakes the whole time. It just yeah. is so lightweight. And uh, you know the 24, they went with heavier duty springs, valve springs to to help mm-hmm. that a
2: little bit. I have a 24, and the exhaust brake is way better than on my LML, yeah. which is a, a 15. It's almost
1: like they felt like they had to have the feature because Ford and Ram did and mm-hmm. it, it wasn't something that they necessarily had planned for. It's kind of how it felt to me in the early ones, because otherwise it would have been more aggressive. Or yeah. it, it was something that you know they added late in the program, and they kept it soft because they didn't want to have any valve drain issues or anything like that, or turbo issues, or, or what was already specced was already specced. Something like that, I'm sure, happened, because you're right. The, uh, the VGT-style exhaust brake on that is not... Is not as good as uh, Ford. Like you push the Ford, and, and you know something. Else. You push the Ram, and you can hear it, and you're like, yeah.
0: <laughs> so I, I wanted to loop back around to SNS uh, SSDiesel.com. Some of the other services you guys offer. You do rebuild injectors, correct, for the common man. Um, we don't. We, I, we don't usually
2: don't. rebuild them, but we will repair people's injectors as long as they're not too far gone. So, so I, I guess that's people, where I wanted to ask send them in for testing.
0: Yeah. So Andrew, I wanted to find out like, at what point do I buy injectors because they're freaking expensive or repair them? Mm-hmm. I don't know where,
2: how do you draw that line? Um, Depends on what we're seeing in them. If, if we get them, we test them and they're, you know, they, they function okay, but we have some solenoid issues, putting new solenoids on, it's not a big deal. Um, Even putting new nozzles on, is not a big deal when it comes to, if we're putting new valve groups in at that point in time, uh, you're going to be, it's going to be more cost effective for you to get a new set than to have us repair them. Now, you know, we're just not set up for that.
1: A, a customer might not know that, right? Sending it in. Will you call the customer and say, hey, listen, okay. these things are too far gone. Here's sure. your options. We
2: give, them, we give them a whole bunch of options. Like there's the, there's the get back on the road and have, you know, reliability for X amount of time, or there's the you know, the solution that's going to last you a long time. So we can talk them through their options on that.
0: So you offer a whole bevy of services. It's not just high pressure fuel pumps and injectors. So you've got uh, you've got all Duramax, Cummins, Powerstroke, even BMW, fuel injectors, fuel pumps, fuel systems, mm-hmm. electronics. The breadth of the company has grown over time. Where did you start and where do you want
2: SNS to get to? Oh boy. We started with primarily a performance focus. Like we were most interested in doing the racing and we did basically replacement parts just to help pay the bills and fund the fun stuff. Um, as we grew, we saw more and more, uh, the regulations were getting stricter and, the uh, government was getting, you know, cracking down on people that were doing tuning. So we're like, we need to, to diversify. We need to focus more on carb compliance solutions. Let's work on durability improvements. So that's when we started. Actually, our first carb uh, EO number was for the uh, LML CP3 conversion. Also, getting rid of a CP4, ironically. But um, yeah, that would have been in 2014 is when we started working on that.
0: Okay. So, and that has been yeah. a that's been wildly successful for you, right?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. We uh, what do we sell? 80 to 100 a month, something like that. A bunch of those bunch of those and those
0: are new pumps or you take a bosch pump and you redo it
2: we take a new bosch pump and redo it gotcha so we get a new a new cp3 basically the the lbz lmm cp3 and then we're modifying from there to make a drop-in replacement that you know meets emissions no tuning required just bolt in and go
0: And a lot of these will support huge horsepower as well. So you can take an SNS, quote unquote, (coughs) drop-in replacement that has a carbio, and if you did Mm -hmm. want to tune the truck, if you actually were Mm -hmm. going to put it in a race vehicle, um, you can Mm -hmm. get. I mean, some of these support up to three thousand horsepower. Is that correct?
2: We are. uh, I'm actually building a pump stand now to be able to test our newest pump. That's a little. It's a little V8, and uh, we're. We had that on the prototype on an engine that's almost thirty seven hundred horsepower. Whoa! <laughs> With a single pump. How do you so I th- do? I think, I think I think it's I think it's four thousand horse capable, maybe a little more, but that's going to be about it for that pump. But yeah, Holy I'm crap. trying to get the test test bench together to be able to run that thing because we have quite a few of them we need to be getting out there. So
1: so speaking of uh, test bench, uh, some of the other services that you offer are for testing and development, and also engineering consulting and. Uh, The reason I bring those up is not because our listeners necessarily are going to be that customer, but the fact that you offer that, you have that engineering acumen inside the business, and what you guys do requires such a high level of engineering ability um, because of (laughs) the precision of the products, whether it's the pump, whether it's the injectors. Um, I think it's important for people to know it's
2: a legit engineering company, really. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, myself and my business partner are both engineers, uh, by, by degree, you know, we, I was what, 10 years at Bosch. She was eight or nine years at Cummins. So it's, uh, yeah, definitely, uh, engineering background. We're, uh, not very good as far as salespeople go, but technically <laughs> we're really good. So.
0: <laughs> well, so I was going to send people to SNS to ssdiesel.com, but to buy there. Uh, their CP3 conversion or their CP4 disaster prevention kit, mm-hmm. but you sell only through dealers. Is that correct? I'm that's seeing correct. It. Does yeah. it now. Why yep. you could make more money if you sold direct to people, or you just don't want the hassle because uh, you're not uh, good salesman.
2: We, that's part of it. <laughs> and uh, we like to support our dealer network. And when you go from selling to just to businesses versus selling to individuals, it changes the whole t- tax structure and sales structure. Because when you sell to businesses, you don't have to charge sales tax. But when you sell to individuals, you do. True. You know? you got to so hire two more it, accountants Yeah, you got to that, That's yeah. a
1: lot of bandwidth exactly. that gets soaked up doing yep, that.
2: Yep, yep. And, and along with that comes a whole lot more uh, support. So we support our dealers with the expectation that they will uh, handle a lot of the technical questions rather than us having to handle all of them. So that's another reason we do it. Most of our dealers are pretty good at that. Some of them aren't quite as good, but most of them are very good at being able to handle questions uh, for us. That way we don't have to answer all of the questions.
1: Well, I know uh, Lightning uh, already mentioned ssdiesel.com, but you guys also have a robust uh, social presence. So whether it's on Facebook or X slash Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, SS Fueled is uh is where you'll find you guys and uh there's a whole bunch of resources and information also available on your website and uh man uh, we really appreciate you coming on because this is a very complex topic and typically our listeners love eating this stuff up what kind of the the insider uh, baseball backside of water stuff <laughs>
2: hey anytime it's been uh, fun hold on, they're enjoying it
0: big applause <laughs> Sit down I'm back.
2: Thank you, thank you,
0: thank you very much. Sit down back there. Don't throw popcorn. Stop throwing the popcorn.
1: <laughs> Sorry. Actually, he was uh he was throwing really crappy injectors that Is he that got what he was? yeah from somebody else. Really little yeah, little tiny yeah, injectors. Through, little piezo
0: crystals. He was just throwing them out <laughs> to people in the front. <laughs> All right, Andrew, you were the best. Thank you for coming on the show, and we're not going to wait another three years before we have you on again. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Sounds great. Yeah. We'll we'll work on a half-life or something like that. So maybe be one and a half. There
0: you go. There
2: you go. I can do that.
1: All right. You're the best.
2: (laughs) All All right, brother. Thank you. (laughs) We'll
0: talk soon. Thanks, Andrew. Hey, no
2: problem. You guys have a good one. Talk soon. All right. Bye.
1: (laughs) Sup with the news, Holman. Oh man, we've got uh, we've got so much news. It may take a couple episodes because we're a couple episodes behind. So I don't even know where to start. I guess. Uh, well, you can't start until I play the new jingle. What's new in trucks?
0: We need to know. What's
1: new in trucks?
0: We need to know.
2: What's new in trucks? We
0: need to know.
2: Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world
0: of trucks? Oh. Yeah.
1: Oh damn it! I didn't... What do you do with the? Oh yeah. Uh, well, you threw me off by uh, interrupting me with the jingle because I was uh, <laughs> getting prepared to uh, to segue you into that, and then you stole it from me. So I stole your uh, uh lightning. Did you hear?
2: No wait.
1: Nope. The uh, Ram 1500 is getting redesigned, and Ram just dropped a whole bunch of holy shit, right on top of the uh, entire automotive industry. And did a bunch of things we've been talking about, a bunch of things people didn't even see coming. Ram just dropped a couple bombs. Yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, that uh, there are a few uh, companies that might be on notice after Ram dropped his big uh, 2025 Ram news. I mean, there's there's a lot to talk about. Uh, the Ram Charger is something we should talk about, but hold on, I'll I'll let's wait on that for a second. H- how about the quote-unquote internet being on fire that the trx is gone yeah everyone was saying that the
0: new rho i think it's called right yeah. it, it was replacing the trx and the trx is gone and all the trx boards the facebook groups all that stuff they were all a flutter ah, the oh gone. you gotta get your last one of 24 they're gone and then holman over here you feel like that might not be the case
1: no it it, it I know uh, Tim Kaniskis, who is now uh, running RAM. He's the Hellcat Everything guy, and I'm trying to get him on the show. He's a horsepower guy, and he basically said to a bunch of uh, journalists and then kind of cleaned up his comments with a few other things, RHO is coming. It is basically, think of it as a V6 Raptor competitor, right? It's the V6 Raptor versus the straight six. And and the Raptor's 450 horsepower, and the straight-six RHO will be 540 horsepower. So they're taking the TRX as this RHO, whether it's Rebel High Output, Ram High Output, whatever it stands for, they haven't said yet. But they're getting into a part of the market they haven't existed, because the TRX was always 702 horsepower. They originally had plans for a lower-output, normally aspirated version, that mm. never made it to market. I didn't know that. So RHO is essentially that truck. So wow. it'll it'll be the, they say the same TRX, you know, chassis, the Bilstein's retuned, obviously the weight's different, things like that. And it's going to have a, a, a whole bunch of power. But Kaniska said TRX is getting shelved. On clarification, Kaniska says, unless we can come up with something with more power, you know, we're not going backwards with that name. That's Caniscus's way of telling you, in 2026, we're going to have a straight-six twin-turbo TRX that has 750 horsepower. Mm. You heard it here first on the Truck Show podcast. That's what I feel like is going to happen because I've been told that the Hurricane crate engine version of that can support more than 1,000 horsepower. So if the crate engine can do that with no emissions or anything, I don't see any reason why Ram wouldn't be like, Hey there, V8 Raptor R. Ha, here's a, we did we we have a new version of this engine. Yeah, so even with after treatment, let's say it's making in the sevens, right? I mean, then they can bring it back and the thing's going to be a beast. I don't think Ram walks away from TRX. I feel strongly that there's a card up their sleeve. There's no reason for them to show that right now. There's no reason to even talk about it. There's a lot in the Ram lineup. The new Tungsten trim level, which is like a Bentley on the inside. You've got the new standard output and high output versions of the Hurricane replaced with the Hemi, which we knew that was coming. you got the RHO version, which is basically a a six-cylinder TRX that will compete against the standard Raptor. There's no way that they seed that top of the market. And then, of course, that uh, other bomb that they dropped – Oh, there are two there. Okay. Uh, And that is the 2025 Ram 1500 Ram Charger. Now, this is the locomotive. So, here's the thing. We've been talking about their approach to the extended range battery electric vehicle. I think this could change everything or it's the right BEV for the right time
0: right now. When you say change everything, you mean change the landscape of how everyone perceived, perceived them. EVs. Yep.
1: Okay. So when you look at the market, you have ICE only. You have hybrid, which is a mixture of ICE, internal combustion engine, and, uh, and electrification. Then you have BEV. Nobody to this point has designed a vehicle like a locomotive where there's an onboard generator that powers and charges the batteries and then the battery pack itself, is in the motors are the only thing that touch the powertrain. So what Ram has done is they have taken a V6 3.6 liter Pentastar, they've made the battery pack smaller, added a fuel tank, and added an onboard generator. That engine does not turn the wheels. That engine's sole purpose- It does not even physically connect it, does not even physically connect it. That engine's sole purpose is to turn a generator that charges the battery pack while you drive. What- it ends up being is a 663 horsepower, dual motor, electric truck. They does zero to 60 in 4.4 seconds and tows up to 14,000 pounds. <laughs> it's great. In a half ton. Yeah. Now, it's not even on the Ram platform. The bodies are identical. Oh, really? But it's on the Stella platform. And that is Stellantis's large body on frame uh, platform that was designed with electrification in mind, so is it skateboard-like or no? No, it's a it's a frame rails and it has accommodations for both uh, an EV powertrain or in the case of the uh, what they're calling the Ram Charger, which makes sense. I love that they brought that name back. It can have an onboard generator, so you lose the frunk, which probably isn't that big of a deal. And then people may ask, well, that's interesting. Why have a 3.6 liter engine? Couldn't it have been a four cylinder like the two liter turbo. Well, if you think about it, there's not really a reason to have anything else. It's going to run at steady state. Yeah, you don't need the turbo. There's no RPMs. Right. So it doesn't care about altitude because you don't care about really output or load. It's always going to be kind of a constant load as it's charging. Um, Well, no, that's not true. Like
0: it would be – don't you think if it were going up in altitude, up a grade – as the battery is being depleted, it has to replenish. Well, my, so it's going to have to go up an RPM, but it's not going right? to
1: have a road load on it. It's just turning a generator faster. Yeah, so there'll be some load from the generator, but it's not like going up a hill. It's just making electricity. The motors are what are powering this. Yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just assume it's like a, like a Honda generator, some big Cummins generator, it's just so sitting there going. A, yeah, there's a couple whatever. of speeds depending depending on the load or something. Yeah, well, and we don't know. We don't we're, know. We're, don't know. Guessing. Ram said, you know, stay, steady state. So. They're saying with a 27-gallon fuel tank, so that is basically the, the entry-level size tank in a Ram today, 690 miles between the battery and the charging system of range. Wow. So it's not a plug-in hybrid because, and the, the government does not classify it as a hybrid, even though it has an onboard generator, an ICE engine, and electric. Those two systems do not either or both power the wheels, only the electric. Uh, so, so what in the the classify as? A battery electric vehicle. It's it's a BEV in the eyes of the government, so you can have a BEV, and oh, that's gonna make so many tree huggers angry. I, or, I mean, or
2: will wait it?
0: a minute, how can you have a battery vehicle with it has emissions? And it and, <laughs> and can
1: explode. You can still plug it in every night at home on level two. It mm-hmm. has up to I think a 400 volt um, charging system, mm-hmm. so it'll fast charge. They say something like 50 miles in 10 minutes or something like that, right? But you could drive it cross-country tomorrow and not even worry about it. You throw gas in the tank, and you still get all the cool stuff that you get with EV. Amazing acceleration, and silent ride, and instant torque, and all the things that we love about EV without the heavy batteries in the range. I think they dropped the batteries down to a 95-kilowatt-hour battery. And I think on battery-only, you know, it's, it's something... I want to say they said... Oh... Darn it. The heads of the uh, president and vice president of this Sierra Club just exploded. Is that what it was? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, think, I think they said something like 150 miles of, of battery-only range, which is, which is fine. If you want to plug it in every night and drive around town on battery-only, you'll be able to do that. A few of the specs. So there are two electric drive modules. So again, two motors. So a 335 horsepower front and a 319 rear. The ramp can automatically disconnect the front wheels. Uh, so they can spin freely, and mm-hmm. then you only have the rear EDM. And the rear EDM still has a rear locker on it. Uh, the platform is uh, all independent, so no solid rear axle in the back. Uh, so kind of like the Ford Lightning. And it has, uh, again, uh, 663 horsepower, 615 pound-feet of torque, 0 to 60 in 4.4 seconds. Uh, I'm sorry, 145 miles of electric-only ranges with are targeting. Still good. 14,000-pound towing capacity, which is really the entry level of a heavy-duty truck mm-hmm. of a 2500. And a 2626 pound payload capacity Let me say that again 2626 pounds of payload capacity so you're not even getting like you there's no there's no drawback you're not losing payload That's a lot of weight in a half ton sized vehicle Oh did you hear that Greta Thunberg's head just exploded yeah but there were two explosions Oh that was Al Gore oh the second one yeah. <laughs> So some of the other details from RAM is that the generator is 174 horsepower. Um, the vehicle can use both the generator and the battery together for maximum output. And there's going to be software drive modes that can change which you know how everything's being used, front and rear, and you know all that kind of good stuff. Uh, you'll be able to uh, fast charge level one, level two, and then DC fast charging. And it'll be on a four corner air suspension. It's just cool. I I I think the tech is awesome. I can't wait to drive one. I think it's all the things that you kind of hated about EVs in a, like a, a smarter, more practical application that doesn't seem to have any drawbacks. I mean, I'm really, I'm really interested in this as a holistic uh, platform to, to go out and do truck things. I, I don't think anyone has, to this point, come to the table with a package that makes as much sense in the battery electric realm as this. Now, cost is certainly going to be an issue, right? How How so? What, what do you mean? Because, well, because you have a battery pack. You have and a the fuel, engine, fuel yeah. system. You have an engine. You got motor. So you got a four-corner air suspension fully independent on a new platform. Well, it's going to be spendy. It's going to be spendy. But, but if, do I you think it'll crack a hundred grand? Uh, oh, the, the I would say the top-end models for sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you know, well, I, I'm thinking about this, and you're
0: going to laugh here, but our good friend Trevor Milton, uh, formerly of Nikola, uh-huh. He was talking about this. Remember, he gave us that story about uh, one of his family members working on the railroad or something. Yeah. And, and, and he, he
1: always wanted to have the you know, battery electric or diesel electric locomotive. Uh, you know, uh, I guess this would be in series, not parallel, since it's only charging the battery pack, which runs the uh, the yeah, that's right, series. motors, right? Yep. Uh, again, the V6 is kind of an interesting choice. You lose the frunk, but we know the Pentastar is reliable. We know it's simple. Again, it's not direct injected. It's not turbocharged. It's it actually when you start looking at it, and they've made millions and millions and millions of those things. So it really does seem like the the right engine. I'm excited about it. I'm sure there'll be a lot more discussion as as time goes on and as we learn more about it. But I mean, I I guess what's what's your thought?
0: I think it's brilliant. The reason I brought up Trevor is because all those years ago that we spoke to him, and he said, "Why aren't we powering?" electric motors with generators like trains. Why has everyone ignored this? And you and I talked about it at the time. We're like, we didn't have answers. And then oh, a couple of years later, here we go with with Stellantis trying this with RAM. And I think it's I think it's brilliant. I, I really do. I think this is the the
1: the good gap, the, the bridge that we needed. I think? I, I think for the next 10 years this is probably the right solution. Now you go back to the Chevy Volt or the BMW I3 but I believe the difference of those is their power, their ice powertrain could still act on the wheels. And so this is completely divorced from those two cars. 690 miles of range, 2,200 plus pounds of payload, 14,000. What are you losing? Locking rear differential? What, what are you losing in the things that you need for a truck? And like Lightning versus, let's say, the Silverado EV, which I think is a mistake, but they had to make this unibody kind of thing on a skateboard platform with no separate bed from the cab. The nice thing that Ram is, it's still Ram truck, just like the F-150 Lightning still an F-150, which means all your bed accessories, your shells, all the things, the racks that already exist in the aftermarket will still work on this truck. I think that is another thing that is going to get people uh, excited because I, I really- Well, it gets them over to that platform without any without being scared off. Well, not, you know, not like, even just being scared off. Yes, it's familiar, but what I'm saying is the aftermarket is already tooled up for all the accessories you need for work and the things you want to do. Because the body is the same body that's on the traditional gas truck, so I think that's really freaking cool. This is due when in twenty five, probably uh, the end of twenty five, or I, I don't know. know. There's a there's a whole lot of information to come. Um, I, I think basically they have decided to release, you know, as with most car companies, enough to get you talking, and there's going to be a trickle out of information well, over it's time. Doing that, so we've got, I, got a lot it's of talking doing to that do. for sure. So anyway, that's uh, that's the news from Ram. I don't think the TRX is dead. We're just going to have to wait a little while. F- We're just going to have to wait a little while for it. The uh, the new Ram charger. Oh, by the way, there will be a battery electric version of that truck, too, that doesn't have the range extender. Oh, really? But I'm not even interested in that. That's going to be the Lightning and Rivian competitor. And that's like, eh, whatever. Why do they? I wonder why they're doing that. Because they have to compete in that space, I'm yeah. sure. Mm. And then again, there's also the uh, the new tungsten interior. And if you haven't seen the photos, no, of I that, haven't. Oh, I have not dude. seen it. What, oh. uh, how
0: is it appointed? I mean, you said it's it's top level. How can 20, they outdo the limited Laramie and
1: all 24-way that? 24 way power massaging front seats in Natura Plus leather, heated, ventilated, suede to cover the headliner and A and B pillars. They get their own, you know, unique trim badge, real metal. It just it's just beautiful. The stitching on it, it's just it's 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 next level. It's next level. From from a picket truck, it's uh it's pretty solid. Now this is for twenty four twenty-five for that interior, the tungsten. All of this is the twenty five. It's all twenty five. Oh, uh, it's all twenty five. Okay. Yeah, everything is twenty five. And then uh oh the, the other thing I want to say is uh there'll be uh two of the straight sixes. There'll be the standard output one, and then there'll also be the high output. Uh so the standard output is four hundred and twenty horsepower, four hundred and sixty nine pound feet of torque. Uh, The high output is 540, 521, and then the 3.6 will still be available as the base engines. So those three uh, engines will be available, and if you remember when I drove the Wagoneer cross-country last summer on Route 66, we had the high output Mm -hmm. version of the Grand Wagoneer, and that thing was amazing. So it's going to be incredible in the ram, and... You know, Ram already. I don't think it's gonna be a stretch for people to get excited about a straight six. They've had them in the Cummins heavy duties for years, so I think that customer is gonna be totally fine with it. And then you know, we've got the uh, the diesel uh, straight six in the uh, GM trucks as well in the light duty. So straight six is not. uh, You know, it used to be awesome. And then it kind of lost a little bit of favor, and then now it seems to be something that... But I mean, like, even the the Mercedes that my wife had for a month was a straight six. Yep. And it was great. Well, so the whole thing was when uh, V8s were the top engine in all the rage, they basically made a V8, V6 family. And as turbocharged four-cylinders came in to be all the rage with these, you know, uh, low-displacement, high-horsepower engines... They made them into the four-cylinder, six-cylinder families, mm. and so that's what you're seeing is is a lot of manufacturers rather than having a V family and a straight family, they're having you know um, one or the other. So there'll be there'll be more of this going forward. And uh, anyway, I, I'm just I'm blown away by uh, by the the RAM announcement. I think it's going to be really cool. Hey, lighting, did you hear? What? No. Nope. Speaking of uh, Rams, I think uh, you will like to know that because of the United Auto Workers uh, strike coming to an end and Mm. some uh, uh, information being leaked out, they will be opening the old Belvedere factory and building a new mid-sized truck, which I believe will be the Rampage. Oh, no kidding. Well, uh, so
0: just to pause there, uh, earlier today, I was on Ram's site, Jeep's site, Ford, uh, GMC, Chevy, all of them, because I was doing some research, every single one of them has a notice that says due to blah, blah, blah. It's a pop-up message. It's almost like they copied each other. Probably. Due, due to the strike, basically, is what they're saying, that quantities are limited and some orders are not being taken, blah, blah, blah. So it's interesting that it's impacted all of them equally.
1: Uh Maybe not equally, but nope. they're, they're all feeling it. Yeah. So. The UAW Vice President, Rich Boyer, had stated that a midsize truck will be built at the uh, Stellantis factory in Belvedere, Illinois, which was the factory where the old Jeep Cherokee was made. And so they were shutting it down because the Jeep Cherokee is going away. And so now Belvedere is going to be the plant where uh, a, quote, unquote, midsize truck. So we imagine that's going to be the Ram Rampage. So that is a pretty cool looking little truck. Also, that's the one with my uh, cool taillights? That's the one with your, with your cool American flag taillights on yes, it? Yes, and, yes, uh, yes, And so that should be uh, coming to uh, to the U.S. I wonder, 2025, 20, 26? Yeah, yes. it, I'm sure it'll be 25. Also, uh, that what came out of that is, uh with the UAW is a bunch of notes about uh, Jeep Wrangler, that the current generation JL will stay the course until 2028. The 4xe uh, Hybrid is listed for the Gladiator. So that's coming soon. Good. Oh, that's going to be popular. I think that's going to be really popular. Yep. Uh, and then they're basically talking about the next generation, what they're calling J70 Wrangler, which I've heard internally might be JM, uh, is starting in 2028 with two electric powertrains. One's battery electric, and one is using a combustion engine like the Ram as a range extender, uh, but uh, there's no mention of a Dude, ice they, only. Dude, they got to do the same thing. Yeah. They've got to do the generator yeah. approach with the 3.6 Pentastar.
0: That's, that's 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 where you got to go. That's the way, yeah. Yep.
1: I mean, if you can get a uh, a Wrangler that now has 600 miles of range, or let's say, well, that's 27 gallons, so uh, bump it down to a 20-gallon or something like that, so maybe it's 500 miles of range, that's pretty awesome, and you get all the cool stuff that the 4xe does off-road in, uh, in electric mode. Um, so anyway, there's that. Also, some news came out of Jeep Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer. So those also continue to the 2028 20, uh, model with a mid-cycle refresh in 2025. Uh, there will also be uh, electric version with range extending. Uh, battery electric Wagoneer, Grand wagoneers list for 2027, but there's no mention of a next-gen yet beyond 2028, which doesn't... I, I don't really think that means anything, but there's a, a second refresh for the combustion models uh, in 2027, Grand Cherokee. uh, The current two-row model runs through 27, three-row through 28, uh, with a mid-cycle coming in 24. Of course, same thing, twenty-twenty-seven with battery and combustion powertrain. And then also a Dodge Durango is coming, and that's pretty interesting. Looks like the current generation continues through 25, which is interesting because that's based on the old WK2 Grand Cherokee platform. Next-gen is coming for 26, um, but it'll also be offered both in ICE and battery electric. So uh, a lot of little tidbits coming out of there, and I do believe uh, that the hurricane is coming to Grand Cherokee as well. So there's uh, a lot of lot of movement over on that side, and I think it's kind of uh, kind of exciting right now. It's funny that uh, like two episodes ago, it was all Ford news. Yeah, and this one's all Stellantis uh, news. Standby. Oh, uh, standby. No, we're we're, we're not, not even. No, we're we're not, not even, no. <laughs> no, no. We're, we're not even close. You want okay. some Ford news? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, all right. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No! No, not All right. heard. Uh so apparently uh Ford released their uh, Q3 uh 2023 statements about how things are going. Did they say, "Oh, we love EVs so much. We can't
0: wait to produce as many as you guys
1: will buy." Oh, wait a minute. Nope. You're not buying as many as we thought. Nope. Uh yeah. So you got Ford Blue, which is the ones that make ICE vehicles and mm-hmm. things like that. Uh and they have talked about uh Ranger Raptor, Mustang uh GTD are mentioned, extensions of Bronco. And also Extension of the Maverick nameplate, which we are pretty sure there is a sport version coming that's lowered with big wheels and tires and the bigger uh, turbocharged four cylinder, from what we know. What you talking about, Willis? What? So we think that might be a ST version of uh, the Maverick, which could be rad. So. If that's the case, and I'm it, I'm still the TRX for that, and it gets the 2.3 liter gas engine, mm-hmm. so that's a 276 horsepower. And I'm, I'm not selling Maverick. the TRX
0: for that, but damn, but that's still pretty that damn is, good. That ah yeah,
1: and then uh, somebody mentioned Maverick Raptor possibly, which I don't. No, that one doesn't. No, that doesn't really. No. I'm not. I'm not sure. No. No.
2: No. 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 no.
1: no. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> no. Right. Also, it sounds like plug-in hybrids coming. And, again, uh, this is interesting because re- uh, earlier in the year, uh, United States Patent and Trademark Office, Trademark uh, was issued called the Maverick Lobo, which is <laughs> yeah. which is the F-150s known as the Lobo in Mexico. Mm-hmm. So yes, is that yes, North American yes, product? Yes. Does Lobo come to U.S.? Or is that a Maverick Raptor for Mexico? Uh, remains to be seen. So, anyway, uh, Ford uh, making some moves as well. And uh, you may like this one as well. Lightning, did you hear? No. Nope. Uh, Toyota's FJ Cruiser revival is in the works, and it looks like uh, just like uh, Ford with the Raptor family and Ford with the Mustang family and uh, Land Rover with their Range Rover family where they're trying to do all these sub-brands. It sounds like Land Cruiser is going to be a sub-brand because apparently there has been something published in the Japanese trademark website uh, where they discovered... Land Cruiser FJ. Really? So, and that has been reserved for, quote, unquote, vehicles, apparatus for locomotion by land, air, or water. So, they have teased uh, what they called the, uh, I think it was the FJ hopper concept or something like that. What's well, a, ho- a hopper? It was a concept that it had the shape of the FJ Cruiser but looked modernized. So, it looks like uh, that may be something that's based on that Prado Don't platform. call it a hopper, please. Well, I think they're going to call it the Land Cruiser FJ. Okay. I think that's that trademark. There's a lot there's always differences between the you know the whatever the, the concept version is versus you know whatever makes it to uh to uh, to market so anyway looks An- like until Sean Holman writes about it in a magazine and says
0: that the hopper is rad and then you then it forces them to call it the hopper just like the CRV mm-hmm.
1: nope <laughs> did you see what I did there you were you jumped nope. right in you're like, yep nope so anyway um looks like uh, that's coming out and uh, so we'll see if that is. Hopefully the same off-road level of off-road capability as the old one. I'd love the, the off-road space is still killing it right now. Frickin' BLM shutting down lands left and right, but people are still loving the off-road space. Go figure. They love the cars and trucks that'll go off-road even if they don't go off-road. Uh, the, the people do. Yeah. Right. Well, okay, speaking said. of that, a lighting, did you hear? I mean, no. No. Nope. Uh, your favorite truck, the 2024 Honda Ridgeline, gets a Trail Sport trim with AT tires and the updated interior. Ooh. but no extra ground clearance
2: Ooh. Ooh.
1: <laughs> and it still looks like a minivan on the inside this place blows but uh as you know trail sport has been uh, uh on the uh, the passport and uh some other uh, i think the pilot has a trail sport and so it's natural for it to go to ridgeline uh it looks like all-terrain tires mounted 18-inch wheels and, uh, I don't know, some other stuff like tweaked fascias and grill mesh. Next story. And it goes off-road. Next story. Apparently. Next story, please. Uh, you don't want to know that the uh, minor alterations to the 2024 Ridgeline uh, includes... I'm going to turn off your mic. You don't want to talk about Ridgeline? But the tailgate now says Ridgeline across the back of it in big letters. Just like all the other truck people. I'll step out. It's Honda's way of saying me too. Yeah. Me too. Stop it. Me too. Hey, lighting, did you hear? Ah! No. You may have noticed at the 2023 SEMA show that you were just at uh, that Toyota is offering a new TRD package for the Tundra that Mm -hmm. gives it more power.
2: More power, baby! Yeah! Uh,
1: They talked about the, I think they had one there, by the way, the uh, 2024 Tundra. They did. I the walked optional? up and saw it, and it has the seat back t- shock absorbers. R D performance package. Uh, that might have been on the t- Tacoma. We're talking Tundra. You're absolutely right. I didn't see that. <laughs> okay, so it's a thirty four hundred uh, dollar option. Toyota adds special T R D badging, a uh, exhaust tip, and thirty two extra horses under the hood. Not That's... an
0: exhaust tip. How <laughs> <Yeah>. dare they?
1: <laughs> Says the guy said who sells plenty of exhaust tips. You know what's funny is we sell a lot of those. <laughs> well, no, we we do. We try not to. People just want the tips. But only the tip. Uh Uh, Anyway, they do a mechanical (laughs) upgrade. So it's got uh, dual intakes, uh, new exhaust, which, of course, provides better airflow, new engine tune optimization. And they say, quote, unquote, it offers a sporty and powerful driving feel, which is silly. Okay. All right. Moving right along. You got more? Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No. 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 Where does that drop from? One <laughs> of our listeners sent that in. Uh was this kid? Apparently the Ram fifteen hundred classic model, which has been around for fifteen years. That's the old D S uh body style. Yeah, and Ram, stop it. Just end that crap. well, I think it's probably gonna be discontinued at the end of uh twenty four. Yeah. So that's a great truck still. I'm not saying it's not a great I truck. I mean, I I'm I, that truck was the first one to put coil springs in the back and think of all the advancements we were on it and I mean they're still it's still cool, selling just, them for a good entry level. Yeah, it's fine, just move on. <laughs> okay. Hey, Lighting, did you hear? No, 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 no. No. Mm-mm, nope. Mm-mm. The uh, awesome uh, Forsberg Frontier that we saw in the uh, in Nissan's booth. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, well, Nora 500 victory. Really? Yeah, it won. Remember we talked about it was going we, to we Nora just,
0: and we then- We just saw it.
1: I know. So it left SEMA, it went to Nora, it won and then- No, it won before SEMA. Yeah. But when we went to Nissan's booth, we couldn't find anybody- that we know there. So you and I didn't know so that we it didn't had know won. that one. So I'm just oh, sharing with you that I got won. it. Okay. So, okay. Okay. Anyway, it's that thing was cool looking. All right. Well, congratulations to our friends at Nissan. Yep. Absolutely. Hey, Lightning. Did you hear? Oh, No. And uh, the last story, because he said there was not enough Ford content in this one, is uh, <laughs> I don't remember saying that at all. Uh, going back to Ford's uh, Q3 announcement, where they posted a 1.3 billion dollar loss. Uh, Ford's Model E EV unit said it would cut back Mustang Mach E production and uh, no longer uh, have plans to invest in a battery plant next year. It has been delayed. So, with uh, all of the uh, the crazy stuff going on and all the money going in there, uh, Ford managed to sell only twenty thousand nine hundred sixty-two electric vehicles in Q3. <laughs> So all
0: the good things Matt Farah of the Smoking Tire Podcast has said about the uh, Mustang Mach E
1: didn't help. <laughs> uh, they did beat General Motors by a slight margin because of uh, increased Mach E production, but as we know, uh, there sounds like they're making lots of uh, losing lots of money when uh, they sell you an EV car right now. It says uh, something like thirty six thousand for every electric vehicle is sold in Q three, uh, and that was uh, in. Um, Contrast to the $32,350 loss per EV that was in the second quarter, so it wow. only got worse. So mm-hmm. uh, for the entire year, Ford expects a full-year loss for the EV unit of? Let me guess. Yep. A billion. $4.5 billion. <laughs> 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 oh,
0: my oh, god! Why, why is that yummy? Uh, why, do I, why is that delicious? Why I am I mean, bathing in it right now? I'm just I'm just saying Why am I just like a pig and slop? Love that.
1: Uh anyway, the uh they want you to know that um the narrative out there is that EVs aren't growing, but that's not true. They're just growing at a slower pace in the industry. Mm-hmm. And uh it's going to um well, demand has softened and it's going to delay some stuff. What happens if the
0: administration changes and mm. just doesn't push the narrative as hard? I mean Man, you're gonna have to retool billion dollar companies. Yeah.
1: Yep, Ford said that the 41-day UAW strike resulted in lost production of 80,000 vehicles, and that alone cost it 1.3 billion, uh, wiping out their 1.2 billion in third-quarter uh, income. Mm. Oof. Tough, tough to be a uh, an automaker <laughs> right now. Sending shivers up your spine. Oof. I just wish they would lose some of that money on this show. <laughs> Man,
0: hi fools! It's time for some email.
1: All right, who's the uh, first at bat? Got this one from uh, Dean Davidson, and he says uh, Hi, Holman and Jay. What? Saw this Nissan today while I was driving my modified F 150 work truck. Thank you guys for emailing me a sticker for it and the many years of great suckage. Your podcast is my favorite download of the week and the best part of my commute. Your deep dives are awesome, and the big shots you're able to get on the show are amazing. Mounter the parameters, please. As always, five stars.
2: Okay. Five star review. Five star. And
1: P.S. I was hoping you could help me with some bank stuff for my wife's 2021 GMC 2500 Duramax. Here's a picture of her in it. Uh, that would be slide into the DMs of uh, at LBC Lightning. And then he uh, says P.P.S. or P.S.P.S. Sorry, her truck is just an S.L.T. so it doesn't have the Bose sound system. She wants bass for Christmas. Can you, uh honey sauces, recommend what to get? <laughs> Did to he up- just say honey sauces? Yes. Can you recommend what to get to upgrade the sound system while keeping the factory head unit? Mm-hmm. Much love, Dean. Uh, Do they make a JL stealth box for such a vehicle? Yes, I'm sure they do. That's a super
0: popular, it goes under the backseat. Um, yeah. I yeah, would go say that's go, probably go to JL. By the way, we never talked about this. You know who bought JL? Somebody bought JL. Garmin. Well, that's weird. Isn't that weird? Why? Why did they do that? I don't know. I would love to speak to someone there and about it. It wh- happened like two months ago, three months ago. What is that? Look, Google it. Am I right or am I, I wrong? I don't know. I will have to return to that. We've yeah. got a show to do. Okay, we'll we'll we'll, we'll do that anyway. Um, so yes, there are all sorts of adapters. I would look into. I believe there's a pack unit, PAC, that will uh, tap into the back of the stereo and give you line out. Into You know what? You don't even have to do that. Your best bet, if she wants bass, you can tap into, back using a metric kit, you can tap into the speaker output, grab yourself a JL amp. They have high level in, and then that will power your two bass speakers, assuming you go with 10s, 12s, whatever you want to do. So it's all made. There's there's so many options. Start here. I I use these guys as a resource for everything. They're a little spendy, but they're the best. Crutchfield.com crutchfield.com go there type in your year make and model and they'll lay it all out for you and then you can decide if you want to buy from them or elsewhere but i think jl is probably going to have what you're looking for as far as the amp and the base and the interface will be from pack or metro or one of those guys Subject line is Resvani tank from Jason Foss. Hey, Lightning and Holman, just saw this truck SUV on Red Hill Avenue in Tustin. So I looked up Resvani and it uh, starts at $175,000. Wow, that's a lot. And then he says, uh, five stars. Thanks, Jason. Resvani. Wow. So we've tried to five thousand dollars Let me give him some five stars really quick here.
1: Congratulations. You have earned five stars. We've uh, tried to get them on and they haven't responded. Fine, whatever. Uh, I have seen the build quality of those vehicles. They're built off Wrangler uh, JL platforms, or now they have one that's built off a uh, Suburban. And they also have a 6x6. Six six, and I can tell you, I have seen some of those things up close and uh, would not recommend. Doesn't it look like a kit car? I, I mean, essentially is, but uh, that's it's just uh, I've seen some of the things up close and would not recommend. hmm Okay. I got this uh, email here from Stephen Rabish. It says, hey, just wanted to chip in and say my gas saver non-truck ride is an O2 VW ALH TDI 5-speed. I bought it when I stopped working in the uh, Nodak oils fields, and it's probably been one of the best investments I've made. Attaches my fuel logs for the past 40,000 miles for proof that you don't need an e-car to save the planet. Big tires and powerful engines are rad, but so is saving money, too. Thanks a much, and uh, keep on keeping on. And that's from Stephen, and he's showing his average looks like uh, 44.9 miles per gallon. Oh, that bad boy. That he smokes yours. Well, yeah, he's a diesel. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm. Cooler car than a CRV, by the way. 100% with Sean. All right, well, trash, trash yeah, that go email. Ahead, go ahead and read that one. I have, do I have to read that? Yeah. It? Yep. Mm. It's from RB, though. Thanks, Ray. Not cool, Lightning. Not cool. I'm 110% with Sean on this one. And Lightning... You are being a master douchebag for bagging on Sean's CRV town car. Anyone who pronounces someone else's vehicle lame is an insecure bozo who has <laughs> life lessons yet to learn. The coolest people are those that can be perfectly comfortable in a vehicle that others say is uncool as long as said uncool vehicle is safe and relatively societally responsible. So, for example, someone with a rad-looking HD pickup that rolls coal is definitely uncool, while a safe driver in, say, a well-maintained minivan is perfectly cool. As you may or may not remember, I drive an older Prius as my town car, saving the 2020 EcoDiesel for highway trips, hauling something in the bed, once in a great while towing, and carrying three passengers or more. Point, set, match, goes to Sean. So, RB, you're wrong. You are uncool. I love you, but you are uncool.
1: Uh, all right. I Just so you don't think that I've planted that in your email stack, just because I uh, like to bathe in the uh, the listeners uh, telling me how right I am, I'm going to read this one myself to you. It's from Austin Meston. says, lightning was right. What's up, fellas? Just wanted to throw in my two cents about lightning being right about my <laughs> listen to my bell, that's, how weak uh, this is. Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah. Don't do don't do that. Don't okay. touch right. any of the bells. That's mine though. <laughs> I'm gonna run it over with my CRV. Mm. Uh anyway, he says uh, about lightning being right about the whole mini versus CRV. Supercharged lowered mini is all day cooler than any CRV ever. I get having a second vehicle that's better on economy. My truck is a six point eight liter V10 that loses a gallon of gas if I look at it with the key in the hand. Uh, however, your daily fuel economy can still be cool. I run a '93 Buick Roadmaster wagon is my daily with wood grain and some Riddler wheels, and still get 25 miles per gallon. Plus, See, that's rad. That's with, a cool car. Yeah, he has wood grain on the side. No,
0: that's why it's with cool. With the
1: bone stock 5.7 V8, because it's highway driving and I drive conservatively. You can also appreciate a Mini Cooper following. You can't appreciate a CRV following. That's my opinion, anyway, which is just like a butthole. Uh, that's exactly what it says right here. It says, uh, keep up the always entertaining work, Austin. <laughs> uh, that's no? A good one, you don't Austin think he said that? that no, I, I, I believe he Read yeah. that right mm-hmm. there. It says yeah, right there. Yeah. Vans
0: PK Ripper bike from Nathan Hendrickson. Holman, I'd love to own your Vans edition PK Ripper, if, if it's for sale. Well, it's actually a big ripper, but... Yeah, that's right. So the PK is the smaller, right? Uh, yep. The big ripper is a 26, a and the PK is a 29, yeah, and the PK is a 24. Is it 26. I don't know, That's 24. maybe a little. Maybe it's yeah, they're a the little one. It would look great next to my 87 Diamondback Hot Streak Mike Dominguez edition. I've attached a picture of my bike. The wife says it was my middle-aged crisis purchase. But it's just the bike I wanted when I was 10 that my parents couldn't afford. I love riding around my neighborhood with my kids. Take care, guys. Can I get a Finnegan Yeah Buddy and a Mounted Parameters?
2: Yeah, buddy. No.
0: So uh, that bicycle is not for sale. Anyway, sorry, uh, thanks for so, inquiring, Nathan. Holmanette uh, no. Truck Show buttons. Not for Trump's. sale.
1: Uh Ben Lane says, Taste the biscuit. If I hear that song again, I'm unsubscribing, unfollowing, and leaving a one star review. You snuck it in at the end of the most recent <laughs> show and I almost wrecked my truck trying to make it stop a <laughs> curse upon both of your households if it makes it into another episode, Ben. Strangely enough, from Jay Florida. Uh, ben, I am. Why would you put a curse upon my household? I'm the one who is on your side. Uh, he says, P.S. Love the show in spite of that song. Been listening for a couple years now. I've been working in and around the truck aftermarket industry for nearly 20 years. I daily a 21 F 150. Lariat FX4 the a 5 liter for my job as a fleet and commercial truck equipment sales manager I have a 19 F250 FX4 6.2 gasser for my personal hauler and a moderately built 04 TJ for a trail toy and just bought my daughter her first Jeep a 2011 JK two door the way God intended Jeeps to be. I'd love to hear John Curry and the Rock Shock guys come on the show I am working on that. I was just out there a couple weeks ago I uh, hope you can make that happen soon keep up the 99.9% good work and remember everything matters <coughs>
0: Taste the biscuit. Taste okay. the goodness of no. the biscuit. Stop.
1: Oh, you know what? This I'd is what sucks. Yes. Stop. Taste the honey
0: sauce. Stop. The
1: honey sauce. Taste the I want to read the rest of this email. The honey, sauce. the honey sauce. Okay, Ben, here's the deal. Your PPS at the end says, I'm serious. I will find you if you play it again. Now, <laughs> on a technicality, Lightning <laughs> played it prior to that warning, although I saw it before he played that. So here's what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to give you his address. Just uh, email me at holman at truckshowpodcast.com and it will not be hard for you to find him.
0: Frontier spotting from Nathan Kopman. Hey, lightsaber and hold my beer. My neighbor owns a nice 23 Nissan Frontier SV 4x4 and I've been meaning to send a pic for some stickers. I actually uh, recently bought a 94 Nissan hard body from him and I'm slowly rebuilding it after it got into an accident. It's an SE V6 4x4 Sport and you guys mentioned Rugged Rocks Off-Road a few episodes ago and they have tons of hard body stuff. Keep up the great work and five stars. Five-star
1: review! Five stars! All right, one last one here from uh, Mike Boyle. Says, this challenge is for Shaw, and I need some help. Can you explain the difference between a twin-tube and a monotube gas shock in terms that someone who has absolutely no idea how a shock works will understand? I've tried to multiple times, and every time I end up with a customer staring back at me with that, yeah, you completely lost me look. Thanks in advance. Keep those parameters mounted and uh, fit again. Yeah, buddy. Five stars.
2: Mouser parameters. Yeah, buddy. Five star
0: review. Five stars. All right, Holman. Okay. Can, can, can you do it? How? So right. he's a salesman, I assume. Yeah. At, at a shop. Yep.
1: All right. What do you, All right. I know you're looking for no, a pen. Now you can't no, have a pan. No. How no, are you gonna I'm, do this? I'm looking around. All right. All right. Well, this is gonna be a tall order without having a some sort of prop in front of me or without having some sort of uh, whiteboard to explain, but. I think the easiest thing is you want to tell your customer a monotube is better because it's going to give you a better damping force, higher performance, better heat dissipation. It offers a free-floating piston that separates the oil and the gas so that you don't get cavitation. And it's more responsive to valving changes for a smooth or stiff ride, depending on how you want to set it up. Now, construction-wise, what's the difference? All right, so think of a, a twin tube is a tube within a tube it has base valving at the bottom of it, and there's a piston rod at the other end. The piston rod and the piston are in the middle chamber, the inner tube, but the outer tube also has gas, and the oil from the inner tube can flow into the outer tube, into the that secondary chamber. And what seems happen- like that could be bad because you could have oil and uh, and gas mixing, which is what you don't want. And what happens with a twin tube off road is if you have high piston velocities. Because there's nothing separating your gas and your oil, it tends to cavitate or have bubbles in it. And if you can think of it as you know, shooting a stream of water from your mouth or going and spraying it all over somebody, the difference is one is a solid stream and one is a bunch of bubbles. That bubbles when the column of oil gets those types of bubbles or cavitation in it, the oil column can no longer support the piston and it's like... It flows through that faster because the viscosity changes and there's not as much oil that is providing resistance. So that's a twin tube. They're cheaper to make. They most vehicles I'll come with them stock, and they're they're not performance based. Without that explanation, anyone would say twin
0: should be more than mono, right? You yep. would expect that two should be more costly than single. But I think what you're about to explain is that to make a single is actually more expensive because the internals- There's more components. Right. More components internally.
1: So when you go to a monotube, mono means one, right? So it's a one wall. And so they shed heat faster because there's only one wall. You're not trapping it between two cylinders, right? You've got the piston rod that has the piston on it and the piston has the valving on it and it's going through a column of oil in the oil chamber. But then at the other end of the shock, the opposite side of where the piston rod is entering or in a reservoir, you have a floating piston or a dividing piston. And that piston blocks oil and gas from merging the way it can or combining the way it can on a twin tube. And because that piston sits in there and prevents the column of oil and the gas pressurization from mixing, they're a lot more resistant to cavitation They're a lot uh, more resistant to uh, overheating. Again, they shed heat better. And because you have essentially two pistons working in there, you are able to tune them more precisely for your vehicle. And there are more moving parts inside um, so they tend to be more expensive and the construction is, I would assume, uh, thicker walled as well. So it's higher quality metal, thicker, uh, wall, because you have to contain the pressure and the oil and all that kind of stuff. So probably a roundabout way of explaining it. Monotubes are better than twin tubes, but the main difference is going to be higher performance because you are not allowing oil and gas to mix within the shock, like on a twin tube. So. That's as close as I can get for audio, I think. Yeah,
0: I mean, look, if you're talking to a customer, you can say that um, sometimes simplicity is expensive. I mean, it it, it just is. Sometimes to make something that looks more elegant
1: and simple is harder, and it is in this case. Yeah, the other thing is with a Monotube, because you have that floating uh, piston, You can have higher gas pressures, which offer that as additional resistance. So that can change the variable for tuning, right? So you can have a higher, lower pressure. You can change your valve shims, things like that. But again, it it really comes down to the performance from no aeration or foaming or cavitation, those bubbles that are going to reduce the effectiveness of that um, oil column. Because everything is about the piston moving through the oil having a stable viscosity for the shock to be working in. And so uh, monotubes, because for the same size, have a larger surface area on the piston to spread that load because it's not a wall within a wall. You look at it, a Fox internal bypass shock, though, takes monotube technology, but... It's not a monotube because it has an internal bypass sleeve on it. So there are hybrids. And if you look at a um, a shock like a Multimatic with spool valves, that's a completely different design. That's also not a monotube. Well, now you're
0: totally confusing right. him. So,
1: <laughs> well, I'm not confusing him. I'm probably confusing right. some uh, some listeners. So there's, I'm just saying there's other variables out there. It's not just twin tube, monotube. There's a whole litany of things. And so
0: look, look the, the cheap white shocks are, are, are twin are tube. Are cheap. Yep, they're cheap, cheap. The nicer ones are typically monotube until you start getting to the exotics. And then they can be hybrids, as he said. So I think that's about the best explanation is you're going to get. Well, that's what you're going to get at the end of this show with uh, <laughs> yeah. four hours of content. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com, lightning at truckshowpodcast.com, or Pullman at truckshowpodcast.com. Please write us, won't you? The Truck Show, The Truck Show, The Truck
2: Show,
1: whoa, oh, oh. All right, a whole bunch of things to remind you guys about. You want to hit us up on the socials at LBC Lightning, at Sean P. Holman, at Truck Show Podcast. Call us on the five-star hotline, 657-205-6105. Send us events so we can fill out the event calendar. We haven't done that in a while please leave a review on Apple or Spotify, and by all means, find your favorite podcast episode, and please share it on your own socials on Facebook. Let's get more people aware of the Truck Show Podcast, and uh, we'd love for you guys to help us out, and once again, just want to thank uh, Dave Graham for uh, being part of the team and helping us out on social. You guys will uh, see him uh, a lot more if you are interacting with us, and he'll share your stuff if you tag at Truck Show Podcast. Dude, he got an early bump like
0: he posted. I forget what the story was, but you and I have been posting some stuff, and we get like, you know, like, three or four people weighed in, some comments. I think right out of the gate, he had, like, uh, a post of like, 70 comments on it. Yeah. Him, like, oh, yes. Way That's better. the interaction that I want to see here. Totally. So we have a good-sized
1: audience on Facebook. Yeah, uh, we got, what, uh, 14,000, 15,000 followers? Let's grow that. Share it with your friends. All right. Uh, thank you, Nissan, so much for being our presenting sponsor. Nissan has been our presenting sponsor since nearly the beginning. If you want to head on over to NissanUSA.com, check out the Frontier. Check out the Titan, the Titan XD. The Titans have the industry's best five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. If you're looking for a new truck, you can check them out in person at your local Nissan dealer. But put Nissan on your list. We think you'll be uh, pretty impressed. And, uh, you know, they've supported us. We'd love for uh, more listeners to support them in return.
0: And if you're looking to hop up your gas or diesel pickup truck, head over to bankspower.com, type in your year-making model. Check out the Ram Air diff cover, Ram Air intake, Monster Ram, Six-Gun tuner, Derringer tuner. There's so much to choose from. And when you find what you're looking for, hit up your man at LBC Lightning for a little something-something. You know what I'm saying? I'll hook you up. And then you can go back to bankspower.com and make that purchase and maybe save a few ducats.
1: Ducats? hmm In your uh, shopping bucket? <laughs> I'm bringing back some old-school 80s lingo. (laughs) Apparently. All right, well, uh, let's bring back some quality on
0: the next show. How about that? Not possible. (laughs) Okay. Not even close to possible. Mm. Sorry. The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Truck Famous, LLC. This podcast was created by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please open your Apple Podcast or Spotify app and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan, there's no better way to show your support than by patronizing our sponsors. Some vehicles may have been harmed during the making of this podcast.